It's Talk Global. We're just waiting for the social media feeds to kick in. Uh, this broadcast is is very important. I must have done some 350 plus broadcasts over the last three years. And I don't think there's an initiative such as this one that I think is going to be so important for the fresh produce sectors on an international basis. Fair Miles. Fair Miles seeks more balanced approach to air freighted produce. Um, my name is Max McGillivray, Beanstalk Global. We're live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, um, and other social media platforms, and also to uh, a number of people on Zoom. And you'll also be able to hear us on our podcast. A new campaign for a fair transition towards net zero has been instigated by a number of sector leaders and is called Fair Miles. It calls on policymakers from government and the private sector to consider sustainability impacts on developing countries when pursuing carbon reduction strategies, which seeks to minimise so-called food miles, particularly with regard to air freighted produce. The campaign aims to engage key stakeholders in the retail, government and charity sectors to highlight the importance of maintaining crucial trade links with developing countries and to make recommendations for reducing emissions without marginalising vulnerable communities. We have some key members of the Fair Miles Initiative on the broadcast today. Tim, do you want to come on in? And we're going to get them to introduce themselves and, the, and then run through in more detail as to the campaign and why you need to get involved and how we all need to get involved to make a difference in the respect of Fair Miles seeking a more balanced approach to air freighted produce. Simon, let's start with you, please. Who are you and who are you representing? Hi there, Max. And hello, everyone. So, yeah, my name's Simon Derrick. I'm uh, head of sustainability um, at Blue Skies and Blue Skies. Um, is a company which makes prepared fruit products, so fresh cut mango, pineapple, pomegranate, coconut. Um, and the philosophy of the business is to add value at source. So we've got factories in Ghana, Egypt, South Africa, Brazil, Benin, uh, the UK. Um, and um, as I said, the ethos is all about making the finished product in those countries um, so that we can employ more people. Uh, and deliver sustainability benefits uh, and produce what we, we believe is a, a great quality product. Uh, Simon, thank you. And I, I loved what um, your founder, Anthony Powers, uh, once said to me that you, you're, uh, Blue Skies is a, is a social enterprise before social enterprises were, were even set up. You, so you have sites in uh, Brazil, Benin, uh, Ghana, Egypt and South Africa. But just quickly, Ghana, um, how many people operate in your site in, in Ghana and West Africa? And how many people are in that ecosystem of that business, rely on that business and the good that you do in respect to the produce that you air freight over to uh, the UK? How many people are involved with Blue Skies in Ghana? Yeah, so um, if we just take Ghana alone, um, then there is around 4,000 people uh, at our peak. I think actually that number went up re for, for, for very recently um, to um, 4,500. So we directly employ uh, a lot of people. And then obviously we, um, we rely on uh, farmers uh, and uh, local suppliers to uh, provide the materials that we need, the raw materials, some of the packaging materials um, as well. So indirectly, um, we we also support uh, a huge number of people. So we're, we're, we're talking about the tens of thousands uh, of people, either through the farming communities who supply us um, or through um, the extended family um, of people that work for us. Um, so a huge number of people. 
I can't emphasize uh, if I've been lucky enough to go to Ghana to Blue Skies three times, I think now with them, uh, with, with the assistance of Simon and to see the good that Blue Skies does by employing people, not by giving, by giving giving people opportunity. Um, and then th this com comes back to what we're look looking to achieve with this uh, Fair Miles approach. Um, James, over to you. Who are you and who are you representing? Uh, good afternoon. I'm James McGregor. I'm a development economist. Uh, the reason I'm on this call is because I was part of the uh, team, the Fairmiles team, uh, 16 years ago when we uh, when we faced a similar challenge. Um, and uh, the uh, the important thing, just to just to um, back up what you were saying there, Max and Simon, is that we estimated back then that between one and one and a half million livelihoods in sub-Saharan Africa was supported by the fresh fruit and uh, vegetable product trade um, with the UK, so the UK alone, um, which is which is very considerable when we when we think about numbers. Thank you. Thank you. And and Jody, who are you and who are you representing, please? Sure, I'm representing anyone but myself at the moment. But <laughs> my name is uh, Jodie Keane. I'm a senior research fellow at the ODI, uh, London. Uh, so we're a kind of global think tank, and we have an office in London, in Brussels, and also now in the States, Washington. Um, and we kind of we're, we're an independent think tank, and we like to advance, you know, interests in relation to development, key pressing development issues. So I'm a trade economist. I sit within the International Economic Development Group, and um, I was engaged some time ago, as James mentioned, I think 16 years ago, you mentioned now, although it still it doesn't feel that long ago at all. But I was involved in some of the, the, the work that was looking at the issue of air miles, food miles, fair miles back then. And um, so, you know, the issues obviously back again, a um, bit more pressing, I would say, the issues uh, this time around. Um, so I'm very happy to be part of this group and looking forward to the conversation. Jody, thank you. To, to me, you're you're the you're the voice of reason, um, it, it, and it's great great to have, have your experience. And just to say that we might lose Jody uh, later on because of um, uh, her prior commitment. So it's it's great to have have her on. Last but not least, Ebenezer, who are you and who are you representing? Thanks, Max. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Ebenezer. Uh, I am an associate professor of sustainable development law at the University of Northampton. I'm also the chair of the university's. Uh, Sustainability Research Center called the Center for Sustainable Business Practice within the Faculty of Business and Law. Um, we do a lot of work uh, working alongside businesses uh, to help them to transition uh, to more sustainable uh, practices. Uh, within the area of research, uh, my, my, my main research areas in the area of sustainability, um, including uh, human rights and aspects of uh, climate justice. Ebenezer, thank you very much. So um, we're just going to roll into this. This is going to be very much a sort of a, a Q&A conversation. Uh, for, for those uh, just on the clock, we, we think we're going to talk for about half an hour, 40 minutes. If you've got questions, send them in through uh, social media um, or if you've got my uh, direct number through uh, WhatsApp. And I've got a number of things I'm going to ask of um, of, of everyone. Um, where I'm very excited is I, I know quite a lot of, of what's going on. I can see where this initiative is going, uh, especially with some uh, some of the announcements that Simon made to the, the group yesterday. But let's get into the nuts and bolts. Simon, what is Fair Miles? Thanks very much, Max. So, yeah, Fair, Fair Miles is what we're calling a climate justice initiative, uh, bringing together a number of different industry partners to answer the, 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 the question of how we can take a a fair approach to net zero, which allows us to decarbonize air freighted fresh produce, 
without stopping vital market access for developing world producers. So you know, the key thing to say here is that you no, know, we are um, absolutely um, uh, uh, behind the drive to achieve net zero. We need to achieve net zero. We've got COP28 uh, kicking off uh, next week, next Friday, I think that starts, um, when world leaders will come together uh, uh, once again to talk about you know, how we're going to uh, achieve these net zero targets uh, globally that we have to, let's face it, we have to achieve if we're to avoid the worst impacts um, of climate change. So there is, of course, um, now a, a concerted effort and quite rightly a concerted effort um, from businesses, organisations, um, countries across the world uh, to achieve that net zero uh, target. But we just need to, of course, ensure that we are doing so um, in a way which does not have disproportionate unintended um, consequences. Um, and there are some, you know, potentially, uh, you, you, you might say, um, some on the surface of it, maybe easy wins, you could say, uh, to achieve that. You, you, you could argue that uh, by restricting air freight might be a way um, to, to, to be able to um, uh, advance uh, a decarbonisation, uh, uh, your decarbonisation uh, strategy. But what we're here to, uh, uh, to, to do as, uh, as Fair Miles is to raise awareness um, of the, uh, the full sustainability impacts um, of air freight and its benefits, looking at, um, obviously looking at the emissions impact um, and, and, and looking to dispel some of the myths around that, but also highlighting the social and economic impacts and the fact that so many people um, benefit on air freight uh, to be able to access markets uh, globally and and it's 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 a way out of poverty uh, for many people um, across the the globe so raising awareness um, con conducting the research to fill the gaps in understanding around this but also lastly I should say as well um, about uh, ensuring that we um, come together to agree the best approach um, to look at how we might be able to develop guidelines uh, that enable us uh, to be able to to to, uh, to pursue this journey uh, as i said in as fair a way um, as possible because those guidelines just uh, don't don't exist at the moment we've got sbti guidelines that focus on how we can decarbonize or what we need to be able to reduce our emissions by in order to meet net zero targets but it doesn't in our view take into account uh, yet um, uh, climate justice considerations. So that's that's what that's hopefully the the, the role which we're uh, here to help play a part of. Simon, thank you. Um, Jody, it's not that um, Simon's got skin in the game, but but he represents a business that uh, that does a, a huge amount of um, um, air freight. What what's your view, Jody? Why has Fair Mars been in introduced? Does it need to be introduced, Jody? What do you think? Yeah, thanks. I, I think it is a really important um, concept. I think that, you know, if we, we reflect on the discussions within the, the realm of climate finance, I think the concept of a just transition that has really gained traction there and, and everyone agrees with that. Um, but when we enter the world of trade, I think that we do have quite a lot of work to do uh, in, in this space. And especially when we consider that um, the moves by private retailers now uh, to drop air freight produce and to, to state that this is happening in, in view of their, their commitment to the Paris Agreement 
um, when we know that the, the, this kind of food miles concept was debunked a long time ago, as, as James mentioned, about 15, 16 years ago, you know, it, it is really worrying. And it's coming at a time when we have a, a large number of other green trade measures coming into force. Uh, so we have the deforestation regulation coming from the EU. We have the corporate sustainability due diligence directive. So these measures are all increasing the costs of compliance for producers that are trying to, you know, develop ex through exports, high value exports. And um, so it, it is, we've used this term, the green squeeze, to kind of consider the combined effects of, of all of these sorts of measures um, that are coming at a time when, you know, we've, we've got a climate emergency and we've, we've got to try to address it. So I think that we really do need smarter approaches. We need smarter trade policy and the private sector needs better guidelines as well. You know, it's we, we're some time, we, you know, some time now since we've agreed the, the commitments onto the Paris Agreement. Um, we've got some movement at the WTO. Um, you may or may not know that we've got the first trade day coming at COP28. So there's a WTO pavilion at COP28. We're going to have a trade day, um, but we still don't have any internationally agreed carbon standards. Um, and, and for air freight produce, it's just not getting as much attention as it should. So you know, the WTO has looked at carbon standards for steel in view of the carbon border adjustment mechanism. Um, but for, you know, areas where it's kind of smaller, you know, producers developing, you know, it's, these areas are just not getting as much attention uh, as they, they should do. Um, so I think the concept of fair miles, you know, it does highlight these issues around climate justice but i think it's also highlighting the fact that we need kind of objective you know scientific methods yeah, in well which done. to count account for carbon yeah well done jody thank you um james uh, as we've already mentioned before we we, we, we were here in, in 2009 sorry for the direct question why are we here again and what can we learn from 2009 so the reason that we're that we're here again is because we're seeing these uh, these new environmental policies, green policies, being um, misinterpreted, and um, we don't have all of the evidence. When we focus just on carbon emissions and on reducing those, we can very easily miss the the bigger picture. And and here the bigger picture is is the win win for for livelihoods in relatively poor parts of the world. You know, just sort of taking a step back about and to think about air freight, we, um, you know, the reason that we that we see this as a win-win is because ultimately we are we're, we're leveraging the spare capacity on passenger planes um, for um, exporting high-value um, goods into into markets such as the UK and Europe, where these uh, these products grown to high standards and uh, and, and are of, of demonstrably high quality. Um, give huge benefits both to the to the farmers, the small scale farmers, the large farmers in uh, overseas, but also to the entire supply chain. What we saw last time, which was really impressive and made a huge difference, was that all stakeholders from the UK government and European governments through to the federations, um, uh, all of the major retailers uh, based in, in the UK and Europe, all of those came together to um, declare that food miles, whilst uh, you know, a, useful, a useful term, it, it helps people quite simply to think about environmental issues, but it is not the reason to make decisions. The UK government, DFID and DEFRA, um, have a policy on this, and uh, you know, this is replicated elsewhere. Plus, there is, there is a lot of scientific evidence um, that, that, that this is a, a positive 
um, use of um, both carbon emissions and but also a, a genuinely um, positive uh, economic development story. Yeah, well, well done, James. And one of our consortium members who unfortunately can't be on the on the call today, uh, who's heavily, heavily involved in the um, uh, perishable air freight um, sector. He showed us a, a lot of information as to how uh, they're accelerating uh, the um, carbon neutrality within within the air freight sector. And and people are flying more, not less. If you if you look at the examples of the likes of Ryanair, Ryanair just booked 300, I'll just say that again, 300 new Boeing airplanes, which will see them through to the next uh, next 30 years. And at the Paris Air Show two months ago, an, an Indian airline has booked another 500 airplanes from uh, uh, from, from Boeing. So surely the, if, if we can get those planes to be uh, more uh, sustainable, um, the more that we can do by filling them up with high value produce, as uh, James has just said, is going to be very beneficial. I'm no expert on that, but I, I, I think that's definitely um, the, the route to go. Simon, we can't do this alone. Um, it, it feels like we need to get industry support. It feels like we need uh, consortium members. Who's on uh, board now? Who, who are you looking to get in the future, please? Yeah, great. Thanks, Max. So, yeah, I know we're, we're fortunate uh, enough to have quite a number of uh, different organisations in, involved. This this seems to be a, a topic which is attracting quite a lot of interest. So Fair Miles has been formed in collaboration with, of course, Blue Skies, but also the University of Northampton, the University of Exeter, uh, ODI uh, and CoLead, uh, plus also Air France, uh, KLM Cargo. Um, and also we've got uh, James very much part of our, our, our steering group uh, 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 and, and providing a lot of that insight uh, and knowledge uh, from Fair Miles uh, from 15, 16 years ago, which is great. We've also got a, a, a number of different organisations um, on our consortium as well, uh, particularly representing fresh produce uh, companies um, who are uh, in, involved in uh, supplying uh, retailers uh, with uh, fresh produce that's air freighted. So, um, uh, and, and trade associations as well, particularly in um, in Kenya, uh, as an example, so South Africa, um, uh, 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 as well as um, Ethiopia. So um, the likes of, I'll just na na name a few, the likes of the Kenya Flower Council, um, uh, Minor Weir Willis, um, uh, Afri, Ag uh, and Flamingo are, are on our consortium. Uh, so you know, it's great to have uh, quite a number of different organisations um, involved in this. And, 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 and between us, obviously, we, we benefit from our collective knowledge and expertise, uh, and, and it helps us in terms of being able to conduct that research, which we'll talk about in a moment, to help uh, plug the gap in our knowledge, uh, which, you know, there is a gap in terms of, you know, understanding um, what is the uh, the, the impact um, of this trade? You know, we learned a lot uh, from um, uh, from from the work that took place 15, 16 years ago. But of course, things have things change, uh, and we want to be able to understand, you know, exactly um, how things have changed and what those impacts are, um, and to be able to raise awareness of those. Simon, thank you. Just going to give you a, a, a direct example of uh, of mine. About eighteen months ago, I, I posted up a picture of um. I, I love Zimbabwe. I think it's just an amazing uh, country. It's got such a huge potential. Um, and uh, Tesco started uh, uh, stocking um some blueberries, and I took a picture of uh, these lovely blueberries and posted them out. Um, and then I went. I live in Suffolk, and I, I went on the obligatory dinner party circuit, and I went to 
uh, a, a family's house and this uh, the the hostess of the hostess criticized me for posting up this picture of uh, Zim uh, blueberries because they were in a plastic packet and uh, she'd worked out that they'd been flown here because they're high value crop. And she said, this is despicable, Max. You should not be promoting such produce. And this is as I leant against her agar that's on 24-7 burning a hole in the ozone layer. And I looked out across the uh, rather nice, nice house with two Range Rovers sat outside in a swimming pool that's heated by oil for six months of the year. And I wanted to say, um, and, and it's, it's like we have this uh, uh, perception issue. And I just had a WhatsApp in about what I just stated about uh, new planes coming in. And the WhatsApp from Henry and Kent says, Max, what are the benefits and impacts of air freighted fresh produce? Tell us. Ebenezer, over to you. What are the benefits of uh, um, uh, air freighted fresh produce, please? Yeah, thanks, Max. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the benefits are, are, you know, are very um, obviously, there is the uh, socioeconomic benefits, uh, which we're, we're trying to have highlight as part of, uh, you know, this uh, initiative in terms of uh, the jobs uh, that are created and the livelihoods that are created as a result of the fresh produce industry from uh, companies like Blue Skies who have a business model of adding value at source. And then, uh, of course, air freighting those uh, 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 products that are made uh, from that business model uh, to markets here in the UK and uh, all, all throughout Europe. Um, and we did a bit of research uh, recently, uh, which we published in a peer-reviewed uh, high-ranking journal, uh, trying to assess the climate justice implications of banning or limiting efforts. So basically, we sought to try and find out what the climate justice implication would be if a, a, mod, a business model like Blue Skies did not exist. Um, and, and in doing so, we sought to try and sort of thoroughly examine the socioeconomic implications, um, uh, you know, of, uh, uh, you know, banning such a, or limiting the operation of such a, uh, you, know, a, a you know, a business model. Um, and uh, of, of course, within this research, we're able to, to highlight or what we found was that, of course, the climate justice implications would be, uh, you know, quite, uh, um, uh, you know, quite significant um, in the sense that there are whole livelihoods uh, in places like Ghana, in places like Kenya. But of course, within our own research study, we focus particularly on Ghana because we use Blue Skies as um, and the Blue Skies model as a case study. Uh, but the entire livelihoods, economic livelihoods that uh, depend, uh, you know, on uh, the operation of the blue skies model of adding value at source, uh, you know, uh, particularly. Uh, and so just to give you an example, Max, uh, one of the things that we highlight in our research is that in 2021 alone, the social value that was created from the operation of the blue skies model in Ghana of adding value at source, um, uh, the social value from that model that was created in local communities in Ghana to help people out of poverty um, uh, was $2.4 million. Uh, uh, um, and that's for, uh, you know, uh, activities around poverty uh, alleviation and, 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 and the social value created from the business model, which support people, um, uh, you know, out of poverty, uh, uh, you know, alone. Of course, in, in, in this same research, we highlight other uh, uh, figures, uh, you know, as well. And this is what would be lost uh, effectively if uh, a model like Blue Skies could not operate because uh, there is no demand for it, uh, you know, effectively. 
And so what we try to do in our research is to highlight certain key recommendations of what commercial policymakers can do to ensure that, yes, as Simon said, they're going for net zero because absolutely that's the right ambition, is the right thing for us as a global community. But we've got to make sure that we do it in a way where there aren't any unintended consequences and that the poorest, most vulnerable people all across the world in developing countries um, are protected. Uh, uh, you know, and, and are not disproportionately affected by those those policies. So, for instance, we highlighted things like investment in sustainable aviation fuels, uh, which is a huge thing. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. The EU, the UK, uh, the United States are investing heavily in sustainable aviation fuel, and that's a good thing. But uh, there has to be more commercial engagement, more co more focus within the commercial sector um, uh, on uh, sustainable aviation fuels and how we upscale already existing work and investment in that area yep. to ensure that uh, progress is accelerated. That could be a way yep. of reducing emissions, um, uh, you know, when it comes to air freight and uh, fresh produce. And lastly, before I hand back over to you, Max, we, we might talk a little bit more about the research. I could talk on for ages <laughs> about the research. But final thing before I hand over to you, Max, is to put all of this in context. Um, it's important to highlight that um, emissions from the aviation, as important as they are to address, account for only 2% of yeah, all of the global emissions um, that uh, obviously uh, uh, we undertake as a global uh, community. Of course, aviation is one of the most difficult areas to, to, de to decarbonize and, and we have to work at it, but I think it's, it, it's important to, to, to put things in context. So I think for us, the, the question really is, if we were to ban air freight overnight um, and, and, and to take out all of those emissions, um, what impact will that make and what problems will that cause? And are the problems that will be caused uh, more significant than the impact that it will make? That's the one question. And the second question is, um, uh, are we not uh, going to address this in a much better way if we uh, pursue net zero in a way that ensures that uh, the, uh, the, you know, the policies that we put in place attain climate justice? And so in doing that, we have a balanced approach where we attain net zero, yes, but also we ensure that the unintended consequences and the climate justice implications are minimized. And I think that's what Fair Miles is about. And I think that's the way to go. Well done. Very, very eloquent as as, uh, as ever. And it's uh, you make the, the very good point about the 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 percentage level of of emissions from uh, air freight uh, from the aviation industry in comparison to uh, say shipping shipping we don't see whilst um, as per the example of my plane we 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 see it just as, as a slight segue um, question to James and to to Jody Gary hope you're well Gary Bradbury has uh, just dialed in what effect of fresh and has a question what effect of fresh produce exports from from Africa is to improve worthwhile employment in rural areas. We've definitely seen that with um, uh, with uh, blue blue skies in uh, in Ghana and Benin, where job opportunities are very limited. This helps to reduce urban drift in those countries, but it may also reduce, in a small way, for some Africans, the desire for migration to Europe. The EU is desperate to find ways to reduce illegal immigration from Africa. Do you feel this aspect should be mentioned in new in our lobbying efforts, James? You go first, then we'll go over to Jody. James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, thanks for the question. I think uh, the 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 migration issue isn't isn't something that uh, that is that is very well proven. However, the economic development aspects is is very well very well covered, and uh, you're exactly right. There's you know the the opportunities to increase skills to um, enable 
uh, investments in better land management, in um, you know, sending, send, making sure that the children can stay in schools, that uh, people can be can be well trained and potentially stay in rural areas um, of developing countries is part of the you know the win win that we see with um, with air freighted produce enabling that market access which otherwise wouldn't wouldn't be there there would be a, a you know much much lower value to the crops and therefore we would we would anticipate you know lower investments being being made by those farmers or potentially changes to 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 land use as well so it's a it's a complicated question but as Ebenezer has been been describing you know, we do we do see huge benefits and these are these are very well quantified i think the you know the the added aspect here is that you know, consumers all over the world have choices you can buy your blueberries from zimbabwe or from or from canada what we want in fair miles is we want those consumers who buy and who want to buy from Zimbabwe and other other countries. Um, we want them to feel good about this. We want them to understand yeah, well this is not a um, a challenging issue. This is actually a global good. This is good for the farmers, good for the supply chain. It is well bought into. There is good, strong evidence that this is not um, a challenging issue. And this is something that you should feel proud of. Um, we yeah. did have these kind of discussions 16 years ago, uh, particularly around um, roses at, uh, with uh, at Valentine's Day with the with the then um, uh, Minister Minister of Environment Hillary Benn specifically informing um, uh, well the British population that, that this was something that they should feel proud about. You know that, that this is something that is genuinely helping economic development overseas. And uh, yeah, this is something that sits at the core of uh, of, of the Fair Miles uh, discussion. Yeah, James, well done. Uh, Jody, if, if, you, if you still got time to, to be with us, success for Fair Miles. What does success look like for you for Fair Miles? Uh, gosh, so yeah, I think just I guess I guess maintaining those those economic those those opportunities. So so just helping to debunk uh, the, these these myths um, and ensuring that producers can remain plugged into supply chains. I think there's also a, an important gender dimension here as well that often the the labourers on on these sorts of farms are women, and um, so it's important. You know, these provide important employment opportunities. There's lots of knowledge spillovers as well. It's quite technologically sophisticated methods of production so they can also you know this learning these this knowledge these new skills also helps you know it spills over into into other areas as well so I think you know just really helping to debunk the these myths and to not penalize countries that have contributed negligible emissions you know they're already suffering the, the issue the, the climate emergency the need to adapt and so on it's, it's just you know deeply deeply unfair uh, as well. Jody, well, well done, thank you. Um, and we've got we this might work. We've got Alistair, uh, who's our who's our star panelist all the way from Ghana. Alistair, if you're if you're dialed in, can you um, can you just turn turn your video on? Because uh, it'd be great if uh, if we can can hear from you. Um, what what's oh, he's there? Fantastic! You, oh, you, everyone, <laughs> if if you haven't come across Alistair before, he is he is one of the miracle workers in the in the in the world. Alistair, I know you've got. Um, can he just tell you tell us where you are in Ghana and why why it's such a special day? For blue skies for yourself for your colleagues today please well thank you very much max and uh, thanks to everyone apologies for signing in late well today i'm in the middle of ghana i'm in one of the second largest city in ghana uh, called kumasi the garden city 
where we are having our seventh uh, school farm of the year project awards, um, where we have brought about 800 students, 300 teachers, and over 100 dignitaries across the country from 11 regions um, to this very center in the University of Science and Technology to reward excellence and remarkable performance through our intervention in the School Farm of the Year competition to revive agriculture in Ghana and for that matter, West Africa. And so um, that's the activity we have been up to. It's a project where we engage young people from the junior high and the senior high level to undergo practical agricultural activity. We have a team that goes around to assess them. And then at the end of the year, we'll reward the best school farm. Uh, we give out about 20, 20 different awards, including teachers. And this is a way of reinvigorating in the minds of young people to see the opportunities along the value chain in agriculture, which for us is where Africa have the, the, the upper hand in terms of developing our own food system and adding value to create employment and enhance economic life. Excellent. And uh, can, can you give, give us a sneak preview? Who's won the School Farm uh, Competition 2023? Or oh, you're not allowed to tell us. So 2023 Best School Farm, the overall School Farm Award goes to Temale Junior High School, uh, Ghana, mm. Junior, Ghana Senior High School at Temale, uh, which is in the northern region of Ghana. And they were excited. You, would have, you should have been here to see the elation, the excitement the joy in the faces of both students and teachers, directors of education. And um, it, it's quite impressive and so exciting. Yeah, I, I met one of the school winners uh, six years six, six years ago, and it was uh, just beyond, uh, just, just amazing. Uh, so, Alistair, I've got a bit of a, um, an interesting question for you. If, if, um, if we've got two parallel universes, first universe, uh, air freight has been banned uh, three years down the line. In the second uh, parallel universe, air freight has been expanded. So what would happen to Blue Skies as a business in my universe number one, if air freight was, was banned, what would happen? And what would happen if uh, in my parallel universe number two, if air freight was expanded to your benefit? What would happen if air freight was banned initially? What would happen? Max, I can tell you um, as, 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 as a Ghanaian that um, that would be a huge disaster especially for those along the agribusiness chain in Africa. Um, the advent of Blue Skies has brought about a lot of expansion in the agricultural system. Um, prior to Blue Skies, there was only one good farm in the system. Uh, Blue Skies' own contribution to Ghana's own GDP. At this... That's me. Carry Ghana... on. All right. So I'm getting a bit of feedback. So um, the truth be told that if effort is banned, it will be a huge disaster. Uh, because um, there is so much dependence on industries such as Blue Skies that are adding value. Yep. Uh, let me first say that it also affects the European consumer in a way, uh, because then you are not going to get the best fresh quality, healthy, natural fruits. And secondly, downstream in Africa, I think the advent of businesses such as Blue Skies and its impact is about expanding agriculture, creating employment. Blue Skies currently is one of the largest employers in the private sector in Ghana. And along the value chain, the kind of farmers and the impact we are having is so huge. It has actually diversified the market. And people are now very sure that when they put in their effort, it is going to enhance their economic lifestyle. Uh, we think that if this is banned, technology will be affected because the idea of uh, businesses such as Blue Skies bring in a lot and that includes the idea of technological improvement within the agriculture sector. 
Currently, people are using tractors, people are using drones, people are enhancing their life just to grow food. And if you look around, Africa is seriously behind when it comes to even feeding our own people. And um, so such uh, interventions such as that of Blue Skies is creating a value chain along a serious path where agriculture is seriously being enhanced. People are growing food so that they will be able to send their children to school. If F rate is banned, you can have so many Africans still migrating across the Mediterranean, trying to find their way into mm -hmm. Europe, which is going to create a serious economic disaster. Uh, if Blue Skies alone employs over 4,000 people in Ghana, and directly, you can imagine the impact along the value chain, the farmers and their employees, their families. So people like me, I've always used myself as a testimony, uh, having had an opportunity to work in blue skies. I've been able to enhance myself, improve my education. I'm taking care of my family. I have no focus in living in any part of Europe, uh, if anything at all. So at least I have something doing. Otherwise, people will go to university and when there are no opportunities, the only option will be for them to travel to Europe which was also not going to be very helpful. So I think that the idea of banding, although people may raise so many arguments for that, um, is going to have a serious rippling effect that will create a lot of disaster, not just for Africans, but even for the European community and then the advanced community as well. Because then when people's lives are constricted in Africa, then they need to find a way to live a bit of a comfortable life. And then everybody will be moving away uh, from the hardships that we are already facing in Africa. So I would want to recommend that we have a relook and definitely uh, look at the positives because we acknowledge the fact that it may have some impact on the um, on the climate, but the truth be told that it would be worse if we try to ban it because then uh, it will create a lot more socioeconomic impact along the value chain in Africa. Okay, Alistair, brilliant. Brilliant. That's just what we needed because you are the proverbial, um, we've heard it from the proverbial horse's mouth on the ground in, in West Africa. Let's be positive. If, if an air freight could be expanded and it could be beneficial and done in a sustainable way, how would that benefit Blue Skies and the other industries within West Africa and Africa? How would it be a benefit? Thank you very much, Max, because the truth is that the capacity of the African, especially along the agriculture sector, is very huge. We have good land, we have great soil, and then the people are very hardworking to engender a new development where people would invest in the agriculture sector and the land will be used appropriately and we can look at climate smart agriculture so that people can adequately train to do what is right to enhance um, um, the climate. We also think that that would also help us to build our capacity, not just as a business, but then we'll have the capacity to add more value to all the rich natural resources that is developed or produced in Africa. And then we can also provide to the European consumer uh, what we always with fresh, natural, and fruits that are produced through international standards. So um, I, I, it is very important to note that the industry plays a very significant role uh, without which there will be more challenges um, than we are currently seeing. James, thoughts on what Alice has told us? That's fantastic. And I think uh, it really, really brings home the, the opportunity, but also the risks. And... You know, the reason that we're holding this just before COP is because there are you know, net zero policies um, are growing around the world. Um, the UK likes to think that we were the first, and I think we were the first into, into regulation. We know how important it is, and we know how important this issue is at COP. What we are absolutely um, you know, firm about is that this needs to happen, but it needs to happen in a way that is evidence-based, 
and where net zero is um, something that actually works for sustainable development. We don't want the ladder to be pulled up on development opportunities in, in Africa or, or anywhere else in the world because of a misconception of the uh, carbon emission savings that could be made by making certain decisions, such as not, not to import from relatively poor and relatively distant um, locations. Um, and I think everything that Alistair says really fits fits into that into that narrative. Um, what we're seeing in the in the UK and elsewhere in the world is um, companies and governments, municipalities, and people all talking about net zero. But unfortunately, it's getting ahead of the of not only the regulations but also the standards and the guidelines, as uh, as, as we've mentioned previously. We need to be uh, ensuring that those guidelines exist, that they're based on evidence and one thing that we do know about the evidence around this particular issue around air freight is that there will be no or virtually no carbon emission savings because something else will be transported in those uh, passenger planes number one but number number two this is something that um you know really is you know a, a huge benefit to the economic development and the socio-economic development of many countries around the world and and consumers should be proud of this and should still be making the decisions themselves, but should be considering you know, the wider issues, the fair miles, not just the food miles and the the perceived environmental benefits. James, thank you. I think to have uh, have you highlight uh, the key points that Alistair has stated is, is really putting the proverbial icing on the cake. Um, Ebenezer, what, what's next, please? Yeah, so um, next up, we're, we're having a roundtable uh, event on the uh, 15th of December uh, in London. Um, uh, obviously, we will be communicating the details and have been doing so, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, recently. Um, and at this event, we will be looking to engage key stakeholders uh, from the policy side, but also from the commercial side uh, and, and, and from the research uh, uh, side as well, um, to really focus our discussions on how we address this, this challenge. Because as we've all been saying, from the beginning, and I think Simon led the clarion call here, you know, this isn't about saying we shouldn't pursue net zero. This is about um, saying that we should pursue uh, uh, net zero when it comes to air freight in a way that attains climate justice and protects the most vulnerable people in developing countries all around the world whose livelihoods depend on, uh, you know, on, 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 uh, on air freight. And I think Alistair, has you know really really set the tone for this uh, really well in terms of talking about the impact and I think Jody as well talked about myths um, you know and, and I think that, that, that there is a strong myth out there which is persistent persuasive but unrealistic that um, you know banning or limiting air freight uh, will somehow uh, result in a sort of a curb of carbon emissions actually it won't because um, Simon will, will know that uh, businesses like Blue Skies uh, use air freight in a sense that they, they, they would put their products in the cargo holds of passenger planes. So those planes are going to fly anyway, um, uh, you know, even if those uh, products were, were, were not in, in the belly holds of those planes. And, and so, you know, limiting or banning air freight uh, in terms of fresh produce um, uh, will not make any meaningful difference uh, to our, our, our fight against uh, climate change. Rather, it's going to cause huge uh, uh, socioeconomic problems, which will lead on to problems that will affect us in, in, in the developed world and, and in Europe, particularly around things like migration, et cetera. 
So I think for us in the next steps at the round table, we're, we're going to look at how we can, uh, uh, you know, support. And I say this from a University of Northampton research perspective, uh, because of the, the, the research that we've published in this area, we want to look at how we can support uh, 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 commercial policymakers to craft their policies in a balanced way, in a way that ensures that those policies are taken into account uh, the uh, you know very uh, unique interplay between the environmental concerns and the social economic uh, you know factors uh, to ensure balanced approaches to attaining net zero, which protects uh, the most vulnerable people uh, in in developing countries all over the world. So we call on all key stakeholders uh, you know to join us uh, on the fifteenth of December in London for that roundtable stakeholder discussion. And, and just to say, we're going to be, uh, fingers crossed, hopefully broadcasting that uh, that roundtable live on uh, the Beanstalk Global uh, platforms. And um, we've got a really interesting question just in from, from Harry. James, are you OK to, to hold my hand on this one? Because I probably need a um, a, a bit of intellectual um, firepower on, on this just to get your view on it. Um, Harry Vanderplas, thank you very much. He states, in my opinion, we need to create more awareness for zero energy farming in the belt, thousand kilometers left or right of the equator. End users don't know this and the airline industry doesn't potentially tell it. Even the name fair miles focuses on miles to fly. Let's say air freight uh, again that is provoked here. I suggest we call uh, fair miles uh, something else, perhaps like zero e energy farming. That may be better than fair miles. James, what's your take on that, please? Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, question. I think there's there's a, there's a number of angles here. Um, firstly, I you know I like your, you know I like your ideas about uh, about changing changing the name, and that's still up for grabs, um, and and definitely something that, that we'll consider at our round table. Um, what we do see with air freighted produce is that the standards, the food standards, the produce, the land use standards are so high and so um, challenging that the um, the upskilling and the capability development that, that needs to happen with small scale farmers, with um, outgrower schemes, is, um, you know, is something that, that really does bring huge benefits, both from a land use point of view and from a technology point of view. So, um, Harry, there to your, to your point, what impact could we have by increasing air freight into these regions, ensuring that, that, that consumers feel um, feel positive about buying these products and and the same with uh, with all retailers as well and bringing more of those conspicuous benefits from technology from training etc to these to these areas will definitely accelerate exactly what you're talking about there um, back in 2006 seven um, the Kenyan um, uh, agricultural federations were using the the terminology grown under the sun and uh, it was a really uh, you know a really sort of catchy and nice title to indicate you know the the, the genuine benefits that uh, consumers would get from the produce that they were that they were buying from from specifically there from Kenya um, and we know that that entire equatorial region has comparative advantage over the UK and over Europe uh, mostly seasonally but you know for certainly for for, for large parts of the year, because of the the climate and the and and the seasonal benefits that that, that there are there. So, yeah, my my sort of point here is, you know, hopefully underscored that expanding air freight would accelerate these opportunities. And um, hopefully, hopefully that answers your question. Although my my colleagues on the call, particularly Alistair, um, um, definitely knows you know this much more intimately. 
That's why I'm really enjoying this, this broadcast because we've got such a, a diverse range of expertise as it's all, all coming together as one. Simon, I'm getting a number of people on uh, WhatsApp and various the, through the various social media platforms. We've got over 1,500 people uh, dialed in. Um, how can I get involved, Simon? How can we get more people involved with Fairmouse, please? Well, um, you can get in contact with me. So my email address is simon.derek uh, at blueskies.com. I'll, I'll put it in the chat so you've got that. Um, please you know, send me an email if you want to join uh, the consortium, if you want to get involved in, in any particular way, um, uh, or, or if you're interested in joining the roundtable event on the 15th of December, um, please get in touch. We've also got um, a web page, which we are hosting on the Blue Skies website at the moment. That's at www.blueskies.com forward slash global forward slash fair miles again i'll put that in the chat as well so you've got that uh, but yeah please please do get in touch if you're interested in participating um in fair miles in what, what, what whatever way you would like as i said either as part of the consortium or um if you'd like to be kept uh, informed um uh, or, or if you'd like to join the uh, the, the, the the round table so uh, um that's how you can get into involved Simon, thank you. Okay, everyone, we're, we're gonna I'm gonna wrap up now. Alistair, I'm gonna come to you last if you're still there. If you can uh, turn uh, your video and uh, a mic on, just to wrap up, um, I'd like to ask um, all of you, uh, what does success look like uh, for Fair Miles, and why do we need to get people from the sector involved? Um, Ebenezer, you go first. What does success look like for Fair Miles? Yeah, thank you, Max. I think for me, success is um, after reaching a point where we're working very, very closely with commercial policymakers. Um, and we're helping them to, uh, uh, with the provision of these guidelines, uh, uh, the, these factors that they can take into consideration, you know, to, to, to help them to design and, and, and to craft uh, net zero policies, which number one, yes, stay net zero, but number two, um, meet climate justice uh, implications. And in our own research, uh, uh, as a university, as a research center, we, you know, we, we've set these out and, 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 and we set out uh, uh, a, a series of explanations as to how that can be achieved. And so, um, you know, for me, that's how we we, we read success. Um, it, it's not about not pursuing net zero, but rather it's about doing that in a way that actually achieves net zero in real terms, and uh, also does it in a way that ensures that the most vulnerable people in the world are not negatively impacted and disproportionately so uh, by our net zero policies. Ebenezer, brilliant as ever. James, what does success look like for females? So I would like to see all um, those in the supply chain, all those stakeholders to be seeing the increased air freighting and increased buying from developing countries as part of their net zero um, strategies. Uh, I'd like to see that happening in the same way that it did 15, 16 years ago where all of the major supermarkets, airlines, um, governments, uh, municipalities uh, wrote that this was going to be part of their procurement strategy. Um, you know, it was evidence-based and it, you know, it made sense. This is a great way to show leadership and a great way to show how proud we are as uh, consumers that we have invested in something that genuinely helps relatively poor and as Ebenezer said, vulnerable people to, to have, uh, you know, improve livelihoods and uh you know so that is what i'd like to see and that is what success would look like for me boom simon 
Yeah, a couple of things. You know, firstly, that we're able to have a sensible grown-up conversation about this, which is what we are seeking to do. Because, you know, I think you know, talking about air freight sometimes is a bit taboo, or don't want to talk about air freight, and you kind of keep keep that quiet. You know, let's have let's have an open, positive conversation about this. Um, and um, and I think you know, we can only uh, and that, it, by plugging the research gap and raising awareness of this issue, uh, that will help that. The other thing I would just say as well, uh, and we've we've alluded to it, and uh, all, all the speakers have 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 alluded to this too, is is agreeing those industry guidelines that recognise uh, climate justice, that recognise social and economic impacts, uh, and not just the carbon uh, impact or the greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, we need to look at the whole picture and properly to properly understand that and consider that um, in the policies that we set uh, to be able to achieve net zero, but all of the various different social, economic and environmental goals that we set ourselves um, as businesses, organisations um, and countries across the planet. Simon, thank you. I now call upon my best friend, the most handsome man in Africa, to wrap up for us. I'm hoping Alistair's still there. Alistair, turn your video on. Here he comes. Um, Alistair, why, why is Fair Miles going to be so important for not just blue skies but for for the rest of africa and all those other countries that are heavily involved in air uh, in air freight why have we all got to support uh, fair miles please thank you very much max and thank, just to add to what Genzo uh, said um for us we think that a lot has been made in africa and a lot of efforts are being made to enhance socioeconomic life um so that people would stay in africa and develop africa um, I just hope that there will be this climate justice uh, so that all the efforts that has been made so far uh, will not be eroded um, so that we'll be able to expand our agriculture productivity and then we'll be fair to the climate. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, we'll be able to ensure good life for people in Africa. So we'll not have to be moving across the Mediterranean to, Mediterranean to Europe. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Alistair. So we've still got a thousand people dialed in, mostly on LinkedIn. Um, you're obviously very interested in Fair Miles, how it's been created, where it is today, and where it's going to be in the future. I can just see, because I'm, I'm privy to it, as to the acceleration that this is going to have as a as a um, as an initiative. So join us now. Get involved with the with the roundtable in the middle of December. Uh, the details of the roundtable will be on the links, and if you can't physically make it, we'll be live streaming it. As I, as I said, but join with us. The more people that can be involved with Fair Miles, the more uh, positive difference that we can make in this uh, in this sector. Um, Alistair, thank you. Ebenezer, thank you. Simon, thank you. James, thank you. Jody, thank thank you very much. Uh, we look forward to seeing you very shortly at the next broadcast at the roundtable in uh, in London. Thank you, team. Bye. Thank you, Thank Bye. you man. Bye -bye. Thank you, Alistair. Bye. -bye. Bye. Alistair, you're still the most handsome man in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> He's so embarrassed. He's turned his mic off. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.